friends and welcome to the latest edition of Kings of Anglia podcast. Uh, it's Tuesday, I think, post-bank holiday. I'm your host as ever, Mark Heath, and with me, as he tends to be these days, is the Dr. Stuart Watson. How are you, my friend? Very well. Superb. Hopefully your, your hearing, Stuart, a bit better. We had a few complaints about audio volume. Um, Stuart obviously needs to get some new tech guys in. His minions aren't doing the job. And speaking of tech guys, back with us now, full-time Thank God he's back. The prospect, Roscoe Ross Halls. My friend, how are you? Good. Very good, thank you. Excellent. It's brilliant to have you back. How, uh, obviously, we spoke to you a month ago. How has you been in the last month or so? The weather's been nice. So, been working on my tan. Yeah. Been eating a lot of food. So, yeah, it's been nice just to enjoy that for once because normally we're, we're in an office or traveling somewhere. So, yeah. Nice to how, that. Most importantly, how's the beard? I've been able to have um, a beard trim, so it's now a bit smaller, but it's still there because I'll look stupid without it. So It's, it's still mighty. It, it yeah. has to be said that despite the fact you are by some distance the youngest member of the uh, the Kings of Anglia quartet, um, you out, you can outgrow a beard, um, certainly on all of us put together. Your your ability, your, fo- your follicle ability on the old chin there, fantastic. I think that can only be your kind of Italian roots, I reckon. Then I'm the, like the only person in my family who d- does have a beard because I think everyone else they just they're all just clean shaven. So I'm a bit of a rebel in that sort of way. Yeah, it's it's a fine look for you, sir. And it's great to have you back. Um, before we get going, obviously there's a lot to talk about as always is at the moment. I want to mention the live pod a week tomorrow, uh, Wednesday the ninth of September, seven pm. Sign up to the Zoom link, which is all over the Kings of Anglia podcast Twitter. I'll put it out again after this, um, so you can interact with us on the night, or you can just watch passively. Uh, on Facebook, we'll be streamed live on there as well if you're if you're too scared to talk to legends like Ross and, and Stuart uh, in person. Uh, obviously, there'll be uh, it'll, it's basically going to be a pre-season preview show, so we'll be talking about everything we think might happen in the coming season, plus the, the usual dose of nonsense and the strike, which, of course, returns today as well. But, boys, let's kick off. There's been a bit of breaking news this morning, Stewie. Um, we are talking about it early doors. Flynn Downs, the will-he-won't-he still be at Town Saga, obviously rolls on as we approach the season starting. Um, and there was a bit of an update this morning, so just just bring us up to speed. Yeah, the Athletic, the Crystal Palace reporter Matt Woosnam has um, tweeted to say that um, Flynn Downs has put in a transfer request uh, at Ipswich Town. Now I've done done a little bit of digging off off the back of that. Um, transfer request is is a harsh term. I don't know if it's got to a formal written request on a piece of paper that's been slapped down on Evans slash Lambert's desk but he certainly made it patently clear that he would be keen on the move mm. um, but the two the two clubs are miles away in terms of valuations at the moment we were the ones that kind of broke the news last week that Palace had had a second bid rejected my understanding is the first bid earlier in the summer was was about 1.2 in that sort of region. This latest bid is, we've been saying in the region of two million, but I'm led to believe it's actually shy of two million pounds. So that is way, way short of, of what Ipswich would even consider going to the negotiating table over at the moment. Um, mm. So this is an interesting, I'll be careful what we say here, an interesting tactic from the Downs camp, I think, for this to have been putting the public domain at this stage. Mm. of uh, proceedings and Evans we understand these values downs more towards the 8 million mark is that right I mean obviously there's a huge gulf there between the two valuations but yeah that, that's the sort of figures that, that I've been hearing sort of consistently throughout all of this now I, I think that 8 million would be kind of the overall value of the deal in terms of sort of add-ons mm. and, and all the rest of it um, so whether they the two clubs will kind of meet in the middle. We we see this a lot with transfer sagas where there's a big gap between valuations and there's a bit of a face off and they might ultimately meet in the middle at some stage. What's what's your take on the on the down situation, Roscoe? I'm trying to think the last time a player handed a transfer request at town. Stu up since you've been covering, can you remember anybody like that like that? Um as I say, for me, the, a transfer request is, is a bit of an outdated term. It's, it's a harsh term, and it's one that I, I've consciously not used in our copy 
so far because I'm, as I say, I'm not sure if it is a formal request. Uh, it may well be, but we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit here. I think it, basically these days, Mick McCarthy always used to talk about a player. If a player wants to go, it becomes very difficult to stop. Um, mm. Martin Waghorn was certainly one that made it very clear that he wanted to go as soon as Derby and Frank Lampard came in for him um, during Hurst summer. So that's probably the last time that we, we've had this sort of scenario. It's inevitable though, isn't it? Someone like Downs, um, currently playing at a League One side, clearly capable of playing at a higher level, could could kind of switch up his life overnight in terms of pay and and level at which he's playing. I mean, it, it makes sense, does it not, that a young lad like that would would want to go when the opportunity is there. Absolutely. is. Uh, I think you would look probably at his mate, Andre Dezel, and think there was this sort of level of hype and interest around him earlier in his career. And then he goes and does his cruciate and, you know, and the chance is gone. And, and now, now he's kind of uh, at the stage that he's at. So these opportunities might not always come along. It's very well thinking we'll stay another year and your value will be more and take your time to make the right move. But um, you could see why it's appealing to him. It's a London club as well. He's, you know, mm. he's from, from sort of South Essex. Um, the money would be life-changing amounts compared mm. to, to what he's on at a League One club. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't blame him for being interested in the move. I, I just hope that the the manner this is that they've gone about it and the fact that it's now in a public domain doesn't kind of have an adverse effect on on him as a as a person and a player for Ipswich going forwards. Hmm. Roscoe, how much of a loss would, would Flynn Downs be though, especially at this stage? Uh, literally, what is it? A few days away from, from the start of the league season. Obviously, the competitive season starts on Saturday in the in the Carabao Cup, but Downs leaving town, what, how much of a blow would that be? Us, it's massive. But like the thing with us, we're very stocked in midfield. So if he does go, we have got maybe a player to go and play in his position. But for the quality terms of it, he's you know a key player in that team. So I think fans they're they're probably going to be on on the fence with this. They're probably like they understand what you know Flynn you know is making that this decision if he has made this decision. But also they will be going like, oh, we're now gonna are we just that sort of club now? We're just selling our best players. Mm. You know now we're in League One, but. Yeah, it'll be a big loss, and yeah, I don't, you know, big grudge, you know, downs to want to go to Crystal Palace Premier League, more money, as Stu said, London based, you know, mm. what a move for him really. Roy Hodgson as manager, you'll probably get the best out of him. But the whole selling club thing, I think, is a bit of a misnomer sometimes mm. when people label clubs as being selling clubs because every club is a selling club. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, even even the very top teams sell players if the money is right. Um, there is a natural pecking order and food chain of which Ipswich are now at the League One stage of this this food chain. It's The bigger issue is then how you reinvest that money. And you look at a club like Peterborough that just always seem to get it right, that you, you sell at the right time for the right price and then you reinvest that, that money wisely. And they always seem to be able to go out spend less than they've brought in, turn that into a profit and and kind of keep that cycle going. And that's what Ipswich have not been able to do in, in recent years. So that's what they were able to do so well, kind of in the Burley years, and they've not been able to do for some time. So mm. um, that would be the bigger issue for me. As Ross says, if there was one area of the team that that they could probably just about deal with losing a key player it would be central midfield I think Flynn is head and shoulders above anything else they've got in central midfield so of course he'd be a loss but would it would it harm the team massively to put Hughes in for downs and go with we've been talking a lot about the downs Dizelle Bishop central midfield well Hughes would be the natural kind of option to come in for downs in-house hmm. plenty of midfield options but you then have to go and use that money properly to address other areas of the squad. And we've been talking a lot about centre-half during pre-season. Mm. And I still have concerns about the the goal threat at the top end of the pitch, whether that's the central striker or, or the, the wide men in support. 
Hmm. So take a look at what the Calais Army is saying. Uh, Alastair Attray said what would make sense would be a deal that involves a loan back to town at zero cost, thus giving us more cap space. Unfortunately, it's not in Palace's interest to have Downs playing in League One, and it's not in his either. Um, Despicable ME <laughs> says time to stand tough. Too many times we're given into players' requests. They either meet the valuation or he stays until they come back with a realistic offer. Matt Polly says, oh, well, at least we've got Scoose with a gif of some someone crying. Um, what else have we got here? A, a lot of the, the tone is kind of no one. You can't really blame Downs for, for leaving. Sam Rogers says, let's be honest, he's a Premier League player. It would be a miracle if we get another season out of him. Um, Tom Block, of course, he's keen on the move. Who wouldn't be? Strikes me as someone that would get on with it and still play to the best of ability if we refused to accept any offers. Um, but James Galt says, I accept he'll go, but Palace really are taking the piss with the one to two million pound offers. We all know how much TV revenue they get. 19 million they paid for easy. Uh, five to six million for downs is still cheap in this market. So, Stu, we've talked there about what would happen if Downs leaves. Do you think it is inevitable that he's off and fairly soon? And I mean, what what can we say? Because you say we're going into the season, one of the positive things going from pre-season has been that the emergence of that kind of triumvirate in midfield. Um, so... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about inevitable. I think it becomes very, very hard to stop these situations once a player makes it clear that they want to go that immediately puts you on the back foot as a club I think there's a lot more power with players these days just because of what they are in terms of financial assets but Ipswich are in a reasonably strong position he's still a protected asset really for three years he's he's got two years left on his deal but there's a third year option in favour of the club Um, so I think Evans will will play hardball here and he'll make sure that they get the right price. I, I know he gets kind of knocked for selling at the first opportunity, but there is a history of him rejecting bids for players. McGoldrick was around eight million Leicester mm-hmm. at the time when heading into the season where they finished in the playoffs, that they rejected several bids for for Daryl Murphy off um, off the back of that that season where he scored all of the goals. Um, Trying to think that I think there is a couple of other examples that escape me now, but he has rejected offers for for players before, and I think he will he'll be making sure that he gets full value out of this deal. What's Flynn Downs worth? The record, as we've we've referenced quite a lot on this show, is I think um, Deli Ali and Fabian Delft both went for five point five million League One midfielder. Um, so, what would you say would be a reasonable amount of money to to sell Flynn Downs for, Stewie? Um, I think four million up front, sort of starting price, is what would kind of get this this going, and then it, and then they'll be thrashing out the all important sort of additional add-ons on top of that. You know, you've mm. seen. I don't, I don't know if that's being a bit ambitious, to be honest, because you know even Tony, and we're talking about a striker here. Strikers always carry a greater value. Is supposedly gone to Brentford for five five million up front, with potential to go as high as as ten million. Mm. So, if his starting price is, is five million, then Downs as a as a midfielder, you know, I, I don't know is if is four million as a starting point realistic? Does it does it do we get somewhere where it's kind of three three and a half as you know guaranteed with with some nice add-ons in terms of sort of sell-on clauses and appearances and some gettable add-ons i I don't know it's really it's a really difficult market to judge at the moment because of because of covid and and everything else um it's hard what are you saying ross town aren't going to get eight million are they that's that's clearly not realistic what's his contract situation how long has he got left two plus one Okay, so you know we've got that sort of on our side, but yeah, I think maybe five million tops. I think Palace will definitely now with the with the story going out today. If you know he wants to leave, apparently, then that will you know lower the transfer fee possibly. So four to five million, I think that's the best we're going to probably get. Time will tell, of course, and hopefully he'll still be around for at least part of the season. Um, 
Stu, that brings us on to, to Saturday uh, and the final pre-season game, Cambridge United. Obviously, Town had lost fairly heavily to, to Premier League opposition, but there was there's hope going into the game on Saturday that we'd, we'd see a bit more from, from the team against a, a side arguably a lot closer to them in terms of competitive standard. Um, but they lost at Cambridge United. Uh, clearly, as well, there was no, no stream, so uh, people couldn't watch it. So people forming views on, on what they heard and, and what they read. But what did you make of it on Saturday? Um, I'm glad people didn't pay £10 to watch it on a stream. <laughs> uh, people saved their money in that regard. It, it wasn't great. Um, <clears throat> we had the two Cambridge commentators sat in the row behind us, so I saw a bit of feedback from uh, from their reports, which weren't, weren't too positive from an Ipswich Town point of view. But... Um, I mean, Stuart Taylor, I'm glad that Stuart Taylor, who did post-match, didn't try and sort of dress it up because it would have been very easy when there's no fans there and only a limit and no stream. Yeah. Managers could pretty much say whatever they like about the performance. And quite often you see managers post-match say how great it was when you think, hmm, mm. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, Stuart didn't try and dress it up at all, just said it was really disappointing. Um I can't really say much more than that, really. They lost 1-0. That was that was about fair, really, because Ipswich, worryingly, didn't really create a huge amount in the game. Mm. All, all of the good stuff that we'd seen from the Colchester, Tottenham and West Ham games in terms of playing out from the back, the good part of that, um, some of the nice patterns of play in, in midfield, um, none of that really was there on, on Saturday. Uh, and save for Norwood heading against the post, Ipswich never really looked like scoring. Obviously, we saw, you mentioned Norwood there, we saw Norwood for the first time in pre-season, or you saw him, um, not many people did, and also Ollie Hawkins as well. Um, what did you make of those two in terms of the, uh, their first action of, of pre-season? I liked Hawkins from, from the first 45 minutes that, that we've seen. Um, yeah. There's the temptation there with him on the pitch for, for Ipswich to go long, six foot six. Um, and that happened a few times in the first half. James Wilson, in particular, uh, kind of aimed a few straight balls in his in his general direction, which didn't really lead to much. But to me, he looks like he's going to be a better asset with his back to goal because his touch, as the old cliche goes, "good feet for a big man," was decent. And he held yeah. it up. He, <clears throat> he laid it off. Um, he looks like that sort of physical pivot central striker that you're going to need to play this 4-3-3 system um so yeah encouraged by by that 45 minutes from him um his biggest contribution was probably defensively coming back for corners came yeah. had a string of corners in the first half and he must have headed away five or six of those which was something that Daryl Murphy always always used to do which perhaps was a quality that that got overlooked from him Mm. So adds a bit of height and physicality defensively as well as going forward. So when when you come into those games against bigger sides like Rotherham, that will help. Norwood comes on at half time. It's his first outing since February when he had groin surgery. He was um, he looked in a bit of a grump to be honest, a bit of a mood. He was um, I don't know whether it was just sort of pure. Uh, fire and motivation to go out and do something after so long out. Mm. Whether he was a bit frustrated with himself, but he was he was just sort of swearing at himself if if the ball didn't quite fall for him, or just seemed to be a little bit cross. And uh, um, I'm hoping that's just him sort of being fired up, wanting to get himself back up to his uh, previous levels. But mm. um, it was a really brave header that he he put against the post from from a corner. Um, other things didn't quite fall for him, but um, it's going to be harsh to, I think, want him to kind of hit the ground running um, straight away. I think it's going to take a bit of time to build him up. Is that is that Aya I can hear in the background? Can you hear her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does she want to come and join us? She's saying that I haven't even played with her today. Um, oh, that's outrageous. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Let me just go and sort this issue out. I'll be back okay. in a few seconds. Okay. So, in Moscow, obviously, you um, 
you've been on furlough, so you've not you're not physically. So I don't know if you have you watched any of the preseason stuff. You watched the West Ham or Tottenham game or anything like that. I've I've seen the highlights. I'm not paying ten pound, five pound to watch us play a preseason friendly. I'm not that dedicated Fair <laughs> to, play. to the cause. Uh, if I was working then and I was told, yeah, you need to watch it so we can chat about it, but I wasn't yeah. furlough, I wasn't going <clears> to <throat> watch it. But you know, I've I never like what I've, I've heard Hutchie say. You know, I never look into preseason friendlies really. I you know, it's it's more just to get your fitness up and to play football after so many months. And this is a unique pre-season in it after like four or five months yeah being away when the season got cancelled so you know I'm sure a lot of players are still very rusty and they probably will be rusty going into Bristol Rovers game yeah so you're not particularly worried that the town have not had a in terms of winning games have not had a very good pre-season uh not really like we've, we've sometimes you can have a bad pre-season but have a good season or vice versa you can have a really good pre-season and then have a good season but you know Preseason doesn't really matter, I don't think. It's just fitness and hopefully no injuries or anything like that. But we play Tottenham and West Ham, Premier League clubs. We're League One. So yeah. Cambridge is a bit, you know, isn't is a bit roaring, but you know, it is what it is. You know, move on to the, the competitive stuff. And if you while we wait for Stewie to, to rejoin us, have you got any any oh he's back. Um I just want to ask you, Ross, obviously a big debate about the, the Chambers uh, situation, who who should start at centre back. Um what's your views on that? Uh, I think I like James Wilson, you know. Yeah, I like James Wilson, so I'd I'll start Wolfie and Wilson, and then go from there. And I think you know I've seen Chambers, you know, mistake against um, West Ham. Yeah, in a one versus controversial. I, f- I feel sorry for him a little bit because <clears> I think it was John Nolan who was basically passing to him when he was inside the box. So in a way. John Nolan's a bit out of fault with that, but you know, I know Chambers is a skipper, but we've got Stephen Ward now. I was sort of 50 50 when Ward signed, but I thought, you know what? I know he's 35, but experienced, played in the Premier League. He can yeah. do this for us this season and hopefully he can help us, you know, not sat now, but hopefully get us promoted maybe. But, uh, you know, maybe Ward can be that, that leader that we need in defence for now and then see, you know, maybe see with Chambers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stewie, just out of interest, obviously Taylor did the, the post-match press conference on, on Saturday. Was that always going to be the case? Um, I was told beforehand that that was going to be the case. It's, okay. it's, not, it's not unusual um, that obviously Taylor did a lot of the trophy games last season. Yeah. Um, Mr Lambert does not like doing press. I think it's uh, <laughs> something that he does un- under duress. So the, the, the less of it he does the better. I was told recently that we're trying to line up a few extra bits and pieces going into the season and we're told that that he's, he's already got fatigue of doing media, which is uh, slightly concerning considering we've just had nearly six months off of, of football uh, Yeah, um, and we're not even into the season proper yet. So, um, yeah, we're doing the pre-match press conferences via Zoom, the first of which will be towards the back end of this week. So, yeah. Um, That'll be fun. <laughs> Doesn't bode well if he's already sick of the media, as you say, being as he's had months away from uh, press conferences, etc. Um, obviously, we have we have to bring up a story from last week, Stewie, in terms of you, your chat with with uh, with Mister Taylor post game, the the snubbing of several young players for the uh, the team photo, which again, this is a classic peek behind the curtain time. I saw you tweeted that you'd had a, a quite a lengthy private conversation with with Stuart after the game about that story um, and, you know, kind of uh, stuff that came out in, in that story. So do you, do you want to just talk a little bit about that and uh, obviously say as much as you're comfortable with about the about the chat? Yeah, I can do. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you've, you've seen the quotes from Stuart Taylor to say that um, elements of the story were, were lies. He was, the word lies was used multiple times in... in yeah. um, in response to that, um, so there were mistakes in that story. There's no getting away from it. Um, lesson learned on, on my behalf. Um, I was the one that kind of asked Stuart to uh, to have a little bit of a private chat after mm. he said what, what he said. Um, I apologised to him for those mistakes that were in the story. Chiefly, the, the main mistake was to say that the players were told um, at Portman Road just ahead of the photo shoot by Paul Lambert. Now, 
the reality after I've done a little bit more digging and having spoken to Stuart is that they were told at the training ground on the day of the photo shoot. So they trained in the morning, then they all headed over to Portman Road afterwards for the photo shoot. Those players were told that morning, right, you, you don't need to head over to Portman Road because you're not involved. And they mm. were told not, not by Lambert, but by Taylor, which I don't know if that makes it any better or worse. <laughs> probably the latter, to be honest. So, yeah, you know, I can't go into the full details of, of the chat that I've had with Stuart because a lot of that needs to remain private. But it was it was me who started the conversation. I've apologised for elements of the story, which if I had chance to do it again, I would have changed the tone of it. I probably wouldn't have needed the, the bit about where they was told was perhaps a little bit unnecessary to, to include. Mm. The, cru- the crux of the story, and I told the club this, and, and I'm, I stick by it, is is correct, and I stand by it. I think it, I think it was a relevant story. You know, mm. whether you agree or not with the fact that they were included, it's of interest to fans. It, you know, I look back; people have pointed out that two of those lads were actually in the team photo this time last year, and Darba and, and El Mizuni, and now they're saying, well you have to earn the right to get in it. So mm. I don't know what's different about this year as, as to last year. Um, I, I don't know. We don't know these these young lads. That I don't know. Uh, let's, be, let's be frank here. We're talking about two of them, aren't we? Dobra and El Mazzuni are the two that mm. were the biggest, the biggest surprise. For me, is could you have found a way to squeeze them into that photo? They looked like there was a bit of room in the S if you really wanted to put them in. Mm. putting that aside the fact that they didn't even include them for the individual headshots so now if you look at the profile section of the club website you've got all the players in there in the new strip and then those lads are all in last season's old kit which i think Mm. sends out a bit of a message um as i said to Stuart, they might have he says look i had a chat with him in the morning and they were all fine about it now the fact that we did that story tells you that perhaps their frustrations privately were a little bit different to what they've said to the club. So Mm. um, it's done now. I know it seems like a lot of fuss about something quite small in terms of taking a picture of some footballers, but um, it does mean a lot to to people in football. Um, As Stuart said, this isn't something new. It happens at every football club up and down the land every summer. Um, I hope it gets the required response that they wanted out of uh, out of the young lads going forwards. Mm. This tough love thing is something I want to talk to to Ross about because obviously Ross, you you've you know quite a lot of the young lads through um, doing pictures of the under 18s and, and reserve games and stuff like that. This, this concept that you've got to earn your spot and and um, Lambert being quite critical with people. Um, I spoke on on last week's pod, sort of saying I'm not sure if that works with kind of modern footballers anymore the old uh, um tough love that you know the hair dryer treatment all that sort of stuff um what's your take on that as i say you know a lot of the young town footballers um oh, i know them <laughs> but yeah i mean you you, you know you know you yeah. speak to them that kind of stuff do you, do you get the impression that 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 kind of approach works anymore i don't no i don't think so i think a lot of the, i think a lot of them are now are very laid back and they're very they probably don't really say much. They probably just nod and just go, yeah, okay, sure, no problem, yeah. whatever. You know, I think some of them they just want to play football, and you know they, you know they probably are frustrated if they don't, they're not getting picked. Um, but in a way, I think they may care that they for the being a team photo because you 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 know it's a big thing I think for any player you know to be part of a team photo and stuff like that. That's just something to to remember and stuff. But mm. I think that sort of treatment probably not. Because they're probably from academy, they probably didn't have it in the academy, so it's more of a maybe a culture shock. Maybe if a manager's like that, they're like, like bloody hell, what's going on here? Mm. You know, um, of some there's the new documentary out of you know Spurs and Jose Mourinho and stuff. I'm not going to spoil or anything, but he's it, it changes your sort of view on him a little bit because he was he's very he actually treats them like humans, yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what Lambert is like when he talks to these young players. Is mm. he hard on them? We don't really know properly. But I think some of the players probably don't care too much, really. They just want to kick on and play their football, I think. Yeah. Well, well, time will tell. The proof will be in the pudding and all that. There's, on the, uh, the the all or nothing Spurs thing, there's a great clip which I shared yesterday of uh, Mourinho 
in his office as they're talking about um, Pochettino leaving and him coming in. It's, it, his facial expressions are tremendous as he's sitting, writing, kind of working out formations and stuff. Got to watch it. Got to watch it. Have you have you watched any of the, of the episodes yet, Roscoe? I watched them all so far. You've watched them all? Yeah, yeah. All three episodes because they're weekly, aren't they? It's uh, they put, okay, cool. And uh, Worth watching? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Outstanding. I'll give that a look. Uh, boys, I want to I want to spend the rest of the show talking about pre-season and getting some views from the Carey Army. But first of all, of course, with Roscoe back, oh. I think it would be a good time to have a little nonsense interlude and maybe learn a little bit about the history of town at the same time. Roscoe, can we have the strike, please? Hello and welcome to another edition of the Strike! Brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth, producer Ross! So here we go, boys. We're back. I'm going to try to be more upbeat because normally I'm like, so here we are, the strike. But new me, new strike. Let's be a bit. Enthusiastic about it. You, you sound delighted. I've got to say, it's a massive, it's a massive improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know the format. I think. Yeah. Hang on, oh. you just said new, new strike, but is the format the same? Uh, new yeah. strike, new strike, old format. That's yeah. that's the line. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's the line. So, yeah. uh, blast from the past is still here to stay. So, uh, Jonas Axedel. <laughs> yeah. Turns 50 this week. Does he? So, landmark birthday for him. Yeah. He's old. He made 19 appearances for the Blues. But which country is he from? Is it Denmark, Sweden or Finland? I think he's from Sweden, Ross. Okay. I think he's from Sweden, Ross. That is correct. Yes, go on. Interesting fact, he actually joined town from Italy. So... That is interesting. Little fact there. <laughs> so, anyway, can I flashback? Yes. George O'Callaghan, who I um, chat to for Ross Meets episode two, so check that out if you haven't already. Little plug mm-hmm. there. Uh, he also celebrates his birthday this week. He's not 50, but he celebrates his birthday. Yeah, he, uh, he made only 13 appearances and scored one goal for the Blues. But an interesting little fact here which team did he start his career in England with? Was it Port Vale, Oldham? Or crew. Uh, Sorry, I missed that. George O'Callaghan. Okay. What are you saying, Stu? What is it? Port Vale, Oldham, or crew? So very good. Good teams uh, there. Uh, Port Vale. I'll say Oldham. It's Port Vale. Ah, oh, gutted. So a little bit of a. As we're playing Bristol City, no Bristol Rovers. God, oh dear, oh dear, that's not good. We're playing Bristol Rovers this weekend in the first round of the Carabao Cup. In 2012, we played them and we beat them. We actually won a cup game, which is uh, very rare. Yeah. Uh, what was the score that day or night at Portman Road? Was it... I don't know if you were there, Stu. Can you remember? You were there? I would have, I would have been. But Stu would have been there, yeah. I know the score is another thing. Yeah, it's uh, 1-0, 2-1 or 3-1. Uh, I think it was. I think it was three-one. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> neither, neither do I, Stu. But just have a guess. Two-one. Three-one. Yes, come on, back in the game. Two-all. Luke Chambers' uh, debut, I think that that game. Was it? Yeah. And Michael Chopra missed the penalty, so it could have been more. Numbers game. Oh. Numbers game, yeah. I was going to say how many questions are left because obviously we're tied on two. I want yeah. to know. I want to know how many questions. questions. Two, two more. <sighs> Couldn't be tighter. Come on. So numbers game. Now, Paul Diggett, Dig, Digby, good old diggers. <laughs> he, uh, he played and scored, didn't he, for Cambridge on Saturday? He did. Yeah. How many games did he play for the Blues during his short spell at the club? So the closest number gets the point. Uh, I'd imagine that Stu would know this because he had to write it over the weekend. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, I'm going to say he played uh, ten games for Town. Okay. I haven't written it, but I think it maybe less six. 
actually 12. Yes, come on. So, there you go, three, two. So here we are, the last question. Got to get this, Stu. Now, new signing, new signing, Ollie Haw Hawkins. I can't even say his name. Um, he's a new signing, yeah. <laughs> Made his first appearance. <laughs> yeah. How many goals has he scored in his career so far? And a little little clue or little help here. 414 games he's played. So, has he got a good goal ratio or is it bad? Uh, I don't think he's a, he's prolific. So, in 414 games, I reckon he scored uh, 45 goals. Rip! What? What? Okay. It's a bit harsh on him. He's a striker. Oh, no. I think it might be higher than that. Yeah, cheers, Ross. <laughs> um, no, he, he's, he played a lot in non-league, didn't he? And I think he had a decent record down, down at that level. Um, 112. It's 118. Oh, I'm sorry, Ollie. But, uh, Ross, uh, new strike, new season and all that. You've got to stop giving away the answer. But, like, 45, that's a bit harsh on him. He's a striker. Yeah, but you're, you're... midfield or something. <laughs> You're... Surprise back until all answers have been submitted. That's yeah, and then then oh. castigate then castigate me for my okay. idiot, idiotic uh, approach. I'll make but, it um, so that's that's three all then, Ross. I hope you've got a a, 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 a uh, what do you call it a tiebreaker. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And? Um. <laughs> Length. Have you got a ruler to hand? We could see what length is your beard currently. That's a good one. Uh, okay. Or um, what's the capacity of Bristol Rovers Stadium closest uh, to it? Uh, uh, Twenty thousand. Not that much. Uh, or is it fifteen? It's twelve thousand three hundred. Ah. Uh, Stu wins. There you go. Thought I was going to get the victory there and the new strike, but not to be. Anyway, thank you, Ross. Pleasure. Hey, boys, I want to finish off just by talking a little bit about pre-season and obviously looking at, at Bristol Rovers. Um, we've had a lot of feedback on Twitter about pre-season and the overwhelming uh, kind of mood feeling seems to be basically apprehensive and somewhat nonplussed, underwhelmed. Um, so I'll read a few of these out and then we can sort of talk about how you feel going into the first competitive game of the season. So Kevin says, I'm very concerned with the strange comments coming from Lambert in the past week. Luke Penning says, I'm feeling a bit apprehensive for the season. All I see on Twitter at the moment is negativity surrounding Lambert. Um, not many expect him to be here for very long. Things appear to be turning sour with the media again for Lambert as it did at Villa, Paul says. Royster Premiership says, what's Lambert playing at? Seems to be a lot of unrest in the ways treating the youngsters isn't going to help them progress. Pre-season has been less than inspiring, some good moments, but the individual blunders and Cambridge game leave me feeling worried. Um, Phil Kerridge says, key for me is injuries, get Norwood, KVY, Bish, Hughes, Lancaster and Sears fit and firing and we'll have a good season. Tom Rumsey said, change is needed, regardless of the timing. Lambert should have gone after the Lincoln debacle, debacle. Um, Ross Wishart, I believe I've pronounced that correctly, says, I appreciate the pre-seasons about match fitness results are fairly meaningless. However, this time last year, Chambert was on the Lambert. Lambert was on the charm offensive and had us all hoisting the mantel on HMS Piss the League. But 12 months later, he seems he's in self-preservation mode. Um, Jack Slider, friend of the show, don't feel prepared one bit. We look lacklustre and have not been playing a set team at all. After seeing the tough love stuff from Lambert, it's just not what we do at town, is it? Um, it doesn't work. Um, lots, lots. Of, I could go on. Lots of other people kind of saying the same kind of things. Martin Code, the feeling is overwhelming indifference. The squad's no better than last season. Under this manager, there's no reason for hope. Who do we and what do we pin our hopes on? Maybe Norwood, if he's fit. We'll have a manager change mid-season and right off promotion. So League One is here to stay. Um, Peter Dwayhouse, the squad is there. It's easily good enough for top six, even top two. But with the current manager, we will finish outside the top six. Playing a weaker team in the final preseason game doesn't make any sense to me. Surely you play your strongest team in that game. So, Stewie, we, we, 
Hotchie said last week that pre-season is the land of overreaction and obviously Town's pre-season, other than that, that start and the, the tonking of Cole Yu, um, they've lost every game and there have been things to worry about or be concerned about. But how, how are you feeling as we approach the competitive kickoff? Um, how would you sum up your mood? Um, I would say I'm intrigued more than anything at the moment yeah. to see how this all pans out. I think it, ordinarily I would have liked to have seen pre-season kind of starting to, at this stage of pre-season you'd like to have a few more clues about the starting lineup and kind of bedding in a few relationships but I do think this summer is slightly different in that the players have come in off the back of so long out without football that I'm sure the sports science and medical guys are having their say on how careful they've got to be with with minutes there's a lot of Saturday Tuesday action coming up Mm. So I can understand the minutes being shared out a bit still at this stage. I think the next two games, obviously with the season starting with two cup games, will probably be treated as an extension of pre-season. So I'm not reading too much into what we've seen so far. There's been some good, some bad. The real stuff is yet to begin. Um, mm. the, the comments in there about the tough love stuff and that that's not what we do and all of that, well... Lambert's kind of tried the keeping everybody happy approach so far, yeah. both with the fans and probably with his squad in terms of rotation last season. And you could argue that's not really got him anywhere. So we've spent a lot, we spend a lot of this debate talking about Lambert and Evans and their shortfallings. But mm. I think the players probably got away with a hell of a lot last season. You know, if, if the squad was as good as everyone kept saying, some responsibility does have to fall on their shoulders as underperforming. Mm. And, and yes, the manager can help them perform with tactics and man management and team selection. But ultimately, if you're good players, you should be self-motivated. And too many players fell below their standards last season. And maybe Lambert has decided that that's the route that he's got to go down, having looked back at it. It's, it's the way he's been more often than not throughout his career. Um a lot of the successes at Colchester and Norwich were um, predicated by some of this tough love stuff. Mm. People say that Houlihan got this sort of rough treatment quite early on in his time there and um, what a player he turned out to be for them. So I don't know which way it's going to go. I don't know if dressing rooms have evolved so much in recent years, whether that is an outdated tactic now with all this squad photo stuff and tough love and making comments in the press. I don't know if players are so mollycoddled now and whether their contracts give them so much power that there's only ever going to be one winner when the manager mm. starts trying to take on the majority of, of the squad in the way that he is at the moment. And and there is an element of that um, because I, the tone was set from very early on where he was having Zoom chats with the players before they even came back to training. And a lot of very blunt words have been said. And I'm, I'm told that it was a very blunt post-match chat again after the game on, on Saturday. So it might work and it might it might turn out to be a blessing. And he's probably thinking, do you know what? I've got a long-term contract behind me now. I'm going to go, if I go down, I'm going to go down my way. Mm. And, um, we don't know how Evans is, is thinking about that. You know, he might, with the long-term contract now, maybe he thinks that, do you know what? Perhaps the players played a bit of a part in in engineering Hurst out so quickly. And maybe this time I need to side with the manager rather than the players. I don't know what his thinking might be on that, mm. on that front. Or he might be thinking, hang on a minute, if there's too many, if there's too much unrest behind the scenes, it's, as we've said before, it's cheaper to change a manager than it is your entire squad. I'm just really intrigued to see which way it's all going to go in these coming months. One thing I will say, I think we, we touched on it last week and David Fleischer, um, who is one of the comments I'm going to read out in a minute. Um, he shared his his, his first team. Um, and I think we said last week, the, the first 11 for town, if you look at, say, Holy, you've got Chambers uh, and Wolfenden at centre-back, you've got KVY, you've got Ward, and you've got that midfield three we've talked about, and you've got Norwood, Lancaster and, and Edwards, say, up front. That is that is That should be enough to win promotion in League One. That's a strong side. And even the second team, uh, in terms of reserve backups in those situations, you'd even fancy that to to kind of contend for promotion. So I think the squad is definitely good enough, as you say, Stu. And uh, you wonder if the players 
have maybe just been getting away a little bit with uh, with underperforming. Let me read out a few more questions and I'll come to you, uh, a few more thoughts and then I'll come to you, Roscoe. So Chris Bennett says, pre-season games mean nothing. I'm more worried about the lack of game time for Jackson and Norwood. We need them both fully fit to hit the ground running next week. David Fleischer, the aforementioned Mr. Fleischer. Uh, Mr. Ranty, of course, on, on game day back in the day. Uh, he says, I'm underwhelmed, not by results, but the absence of focus. Yes, it's good to have a formation finally, but rather than using five games to get everyone, including people without squad numbers fit, why not look for understanding and partnerships? It seems especially important at the back. Um, just scrolling on a little bit more here. Kevin Quinton said, I'm wondering whether Lambert is really prepared to give youth a chance. Last season spoke about having a young team when it really wasn't. You seem to prefer tried and tested and not always having passed a test rather than youthful potential. John Watson up from up north says, welcome back to the prospect. I want to know, I want to know if, if Lambert's OK. He seems to be acting odd. Is he falling apart, trying to get sacked or just enjoying winding his all up before he smashed the league? His behaviour is nay normal. I still think we need a centre-half. You don't agree with that from what you said uh, earlier, Stewie. Um, Stephen Fuchs, we as Ipswich fans have for too long accepted losing to lower league teams. That's just not good enough. We should be beating teams like Cambridge, whatever team we put out. We don't have that winning mentality, and I do fear for this season. Uh, Harry Butcher, friend of the show, as mentioned uh, by at Ipswich Steve, I can seriously see Chambo taking over after about 10 games. I just have a feeling how likely do you believe that is. Um, and Nigel G, friend of the show, welcome back, Ross. Good things, he says, about pre-season. There's a plan with regards to formation. Bad things. Not sure some players are up to executing the plan. And our build-up play still looks too slow at times. We need to be much quicker on the ball. I'm currently worried about the season ahead. So, Roscoe, we touched on it a little bit while Stewie was out um, corralling young Aya. But um, are you, how are you feeling going into the season as as the business approaches and, and, and points are about to be played for, as I say, a week on Sunday? How are you feeling about things? Uh, very different from last season because, uh, yeah. as as I think all of us were very, I think I wasn't confident, confident saying, yeah, we're going to smash the league. I, I thought, yeah, we'll get in the playoffs and then that's always a lottery. But this year, yeah, feeling a bit differently. Um, but I'm not going to judge anything until I actually watch the, a game in the flesh. I know the preseason hasn't been great, but as I said before, for me, it's just for fitness. And, you know, if you get a win, then result, you know, good little result there. Mm. Um, I think some players maybe they they need their confidence boosting maybe a little bit so a, a win would be nice so to actually beat Bristol Rovers in the cup would be a nice little confidence booster you know we've still got players coming back from injury you know Cambridge and Young he's been out for a long while I think he will be a, a massive game changer because he was when he first signed mm. um, hopefully Norwood can get fully fit and foreign the goals in and you know hopefully the new signings hopefully they're fitting well now as I said, I, I, I was sort of 50-50 with Stephen Ward when he signed, but do you know what? For that experience, I think he'll be he'll be massive for that defence as well. Do you know KVY, just on a side note, peek behind the curtains, he is still ringing Mr John Hassey, the season ticket holder, who was, um, had, to <laughs> had to shield. He's still ringing him weekly, um, which is that's so, so nice of Kane. What a nice lad he is. Um, Stewie, Ross alluded to the weekend there and... and the Carabao Cup match. What a should Town try and win the game, uh, and B, what do you think will happen? What would you like to see? Um, this year's slightly different. Before we've said I don't really understand why they've almost been chucking the cups away because I think lack of success in the cup has has been one of the key factors behind this kind of growing apathy surrounding the club. Um, mm. But this year is different. I mean, if you if you have a run in the cup, you could end up playing uh, is it three, possibly four. Just having a look at the fixtures here. Uh, one, two, three. You could end up playing four cup games in September alone, which is a lot of games off the back of a, of a long time out. And there would be injury worries with that. Um, I just, I mean, Vincent Young, do please don't take any precautions with him. I, I, I am really worried about this nagging Achilles problem. That he's got um, after so long out. He is, you cannot understate how key he is to this team. Uh. If it takes him a few more weeks to get up to speed, then then so be it. I mean, we don't even know if Danassian's going to be okay for this weekend. He went off with a, with a bit of a knock um, at the weekend and Wilson ended up playing right back and he alluded post-match to saying he quite likes playing there. So they might have to kind of um, fudge it a little bit. 
for these next sort of game game or two. Um, of course, I want them to win. Of course, they've got to set out to win on Saturday. But I'd rather that if if the trade off is making sure that you know everybody's okay for for the Wigan game and beyond, you know, then then I think that's a trade off that might have to be made. Hmm. Okay. I think we should leave it there because I can hear Aya again, Stewie. <laughs> you, you better go and play with your daughter. Um, anything else to mention before we take our leave, boys? No, I don't think so. I'm sure we'll get into the, the, the meat of um, predictions and, and all the rest of it next week, won't we, when, uh, when we welcome everyone to join us. Indeed. That is literally the idea of that pod. Roscoe, anything else to mention in your, in your return? Good to be back. It's good to have you back, my friends. All that leaves me to say then is is the usual stuff. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, um, please, because that helps us greatly in the visibility in the charts. And follow us across all social medias, Kings of Anglia, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. And also, make sure you sign up to the live pod, Wednesday, September the 9th, 7pm. Um, you need to sign up for the Zoom link. It will be simulcast live on Facebook, but Zoom is the only place you can talk to us directly. Get involved, have a beer, and we can have a bit of banter and, and preview the season ahead. Um, we'll be back next week. I don't think there'll be time for another pod this week. Obviously, Hutchie's off. So we'll be back next week, hopefully on Monday after Bristol Rovers, um, and we'll see where we are then. Uh, obviously, there'll be a, an EFL trophy game as well to look forward to, and then the big live event, the big preview event on the Wednesday night. So have a, have a great week, and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.